<laughs> Life should not be judged on how adorable the creature is, though. Humans can be adorable. Yeah, they can also be arseholes. It doesn't mean they should be shot in the face. Oh, no, I wasn't <laughs> justifying that. I was going the opposite of, like, humans can be adorable, but humans go around murdering people and, uh, well, murder chickens as well. But that's a different story. Yeah, that is a different story. Poor wee chickens. dealing with impulsive crimes this week. Welcome, by the way, to Crime by the Bar. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. Welcome to Crime by the Bar. I'm, I'm... at... Oh. Oh, dear. No. <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> I'm Jonathan. He's Jonathan. And you're Anna. I'm Anna. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this is our episode number four. Yeah, episode number four. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's Tuesday the 20th of uh, February today. Mm, yeah, indeed. in future land. I'm just back from London. Oh, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I haven't actually been yet, but I'm predicting that um, by the time it's Tuesday the 20th, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be saying, I'm just back from London. I had a really great time. Mm. Uh, the weather was terrible. It rained the entire weekend, <laughs> but the gig was really good. And um, I got to see one of my favorite bands Ooh, and Bowling for Soup. Nice. And they're they're from Texas, so hi to all your Texas listeners. Um, oh, right, we have a lot of you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it keeps growing. I can't believe how many Texas listeners we have today versus two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the gig was awesome, and yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, we're doing impulse crimes in this episode. Yeah, true. So. Who's we, the worst this yeah, week? Yeah, we haven't said who's the worst. Hmm. So it is impulse. Um, I will tell you that mine involves a death. A death? Uno. One death. Okay, maybe mine is the worst then. Yeah, I think mine is very spinnable in either direction, I guess. I I thought there were a lot of, like, there were a lot of tragedy, but also uplifting points mm-hmm. to mine. So I think I would push for mine last. Okay. Mine, I, I don't think mine really has any kind of happiness to it. Oh. Okay, so, let's, let's start with yours. Yeah, why didn't I just say that in the beginning? That would have been so much mine easier. Mine has no happiness. Mine has no happiness in it. Um, yeah. Okay. So, I'm doing another English one. Do you know who Derek Bird is? I do not. I okay. hope you'll tell me. I will tell you. Derek Bird was a guy in England. Um, he had a few previous convictions before um, what happened in 2010. And he had a couple of run-ins with the police. Um, what kind of convictions? Were just minors? Or just just minor things. So in 1982, he was fined uh, £100 and banned for a year after he was caught drink driving. Um, oh. By 2010, he was a taxi driver, which is a little bit concerning. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, in 1990, he was given a suspended sentence for stealing and handling uh, decorating materials that belonged to his then employer. I, I, I don't know what it means by decorating materials. Like, I'm picturing paintbrushes, paint rollers. I'm picturing um, glitter glue and ooh. stuff like that. Oh, that's so much nicer. Just ribbons, <laughs> scrapbook supplies. Yeah. Tiny Colored staples. purple scissors with the round oh, edges. Oh, yeah. The plastic ones they give mm. you as a kid because they don't trust you with metal scissors and then you try <laughs> yeah. to cut card and the whole thing just folds and you're yeah. just really annoyed. <laughs> I, That was my special skill as a five-year-old. I was amazing at cutting out and coloring stuff in. Like if oh. stuff needed cut out, I could be trusted with the scissors and I would cut things really, really well, like really on the line oh, consistently. Impressive. Not like those kids with no uh, control over it who just like <laughs> cut into the edge of the picture and then all of a sudden you end up with lopsided dog ears and you're... Uh, nice family portrait with your your little wuffy puppy in there but anyway (laughs) um so he stole some stuff do you know what a suspended sentence is do you have that with you i'm not sure um because i only found out what it was fairly recently like well 
within the last 10 years. Um, a suspended sentence is where you're found guilty of something, but they mm. don't send you to jail. They say, okay, um, so for him, he got a six-month suspended sentence for stealing and handling the um, stolen decorating supplies. Yep. Um, and that just means that there would have been conditions. Like if you have a six-month sentence suspended for two years then you would essentially be on probation for two years you okay. don't need to check in with anyone it's just you need to stay out of trouble mm. um and something that would normally be considered fairly minor um could then cause the conviction to be upheld yeah, and if, okay. if that happens then you can be sent to jail for the period of time that you were convicted for so six months oh. um for doing something minor like maybe drinking in the street or being drunk yeah. and disorderly or yeah, yeah. So he was, yeah, given a six-month suspended sentence, but he didn't actually have to go to jail. And he also found himself in a bit of a sticky situation in 1998 mm -hmm. when the police were called in over an argument with his girlfriend where he seemed to... There's not much detail on it, but he seemed to be quite aggressive. Um, oh. And there was also an incident in 1999 when he was arrested after claims of menacing behaviour over a taxi fare. Um, I'm spotting a trend, not necessarily with the craft supplies, but the rest is kind of um, yeah. painting a picture. He, he doesn't seem like a nice guy. Not really, no. Um, do you know anything about gun control in the UK? No. Okay, so I know that you can get guns, um, but... Like handguns? Uh, no, handguns no. are totally illegal, but oh, okay. um, you can get certain guns. And the legislation on it is, you know, it's... I always thought it was pretty strict. Mm. So I... Um, we have a member of the family who collects um, antique rifles and he has a license to do that. Okay. Um, and some of them are not deactivated, but there are very mm -hmm. strict rules on how you do it and and where they are and everything else. Mm -hmm. But I I thought it was pretty uncommon to be able to, to have a gun. Handguns are totally off limits. But in looking into this case, I find out a bit more about it. And you do need to be approved directly by the police who will check you out and everything else. Yeah. But um, Derek Bird actually was approved to have weapons. Really? Yeah. Um, so he had a... Was the intent like antiques or hunting or what? No, I don't think you have to give a reason, really? which is also quite strange. I, I tried to find more information on it, but the rules seem very complicated. Hmm. And they do take into account if you've served time in jail, yeah. but he didn't serve time. Just the suspended. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and the last two incidents, the taxi fare thing and the girlfriend thing, mm. um, they, they didn't actually follow up on it. He was arrested um, for one of them, but there, there were no um, charges brought. Okay. So he was totally fine to have guns. Like, he was approved for it, and I think he had two. I think he had a shotgun and a twenty-two caliber rifle. Hmm. Um, there's specific rules on... The guns are allowed. Handguns, totally illegal. I would have assumed, yeah. It's ones that have a certain length of barrel that are allowed. So, yeah, that's a bit of history on him. So on the 29th of May, 2010, he called his brother, his twin brother, 44 times. Only two were answered and the rest rang out. And he was getting really paranoid and angry about the whole thing. He believed that his twin brother and the family solicitor were conspiring to send him to prison for tax evasion. It, it was totally, okay. un, it, it, like, they weren't, but... Was he evading taxes, though? I don't know. I also don't really care. Like, mm, fair enough. Yeah, I, you'll understand why I don't care as I mm. go deeper into this, but... Dig deeper, come on. Yeah, it, weird. So, on the 2nd of June which is a couple of days after he had called his brother 44 times. Yes. He left his home in Roa just after midnight and went over to David, his brother's house. His brother was in bed and half asleep in pajamas and he shot him 11 times. And Well, he was just in bed sleeping. Yeah, I, I guess they, they had an altercation, but he seemed to, to just decide to do this go over and shoot him hmm. he shot him in the head and in the body and yeah david um david's body wasn't discovered until later on that day so but he was just left in the bedroom yeah he was just left he was left where he was shot nothing nothing weirder than that i mean if that can be considered in any way normal oh, yeah. so he then 
at about quarter past five in the morning was seen on CCTV driving down a single track access road to the farmhouse of the family solicitor who's called Mr. Commons. Various people, mostly dog walkers, saw, um, saw him lurking around outside the house. Whenever the solicitor came out of the house, um, yeah, whenever he came out of the house, Derek shot him in the driveway. Oh. Yeah. Um, this isn't the impulse bit, by the way. I was kind of curious, like, I can see it still, but no. Okay, no, sorry, please continue, I'll, it, I'll hold it doesn't. It doesn't seem super premeditated, but there's some planning involved here. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he is going there thinking, right, I'll get my brother in the middle of the night, I will see the solicitor in the morning, and then hanging around his house between 5 and 10, yeah. and, and then just shooting him. Okay, so by 10... The solicitor had come out of his house and was shot in the driveway. Um, he noticed that his car was being blocked, and that's why he came out. And neighbors saw the solicitor staging, staggering up the driveway, pursued by who turned out to be Derek. Um, he was shot a couple of times with the, the shotgun um, in the body, and then eventually he was shot in the head and died. Oof. Yeah, so about 15 minutes later... Derek left and began his second phase of killings. At this point, he was running around with a 12-bore sawn-off shotgun and his 22 caliber rifle. He starts off by going to the home of a guy called Neil Jacques, who was 52 and lived a few doors down from, uh, from Derek. He went there actually to collect a gun. This guy, uh, Neil, had a license for a different gun and they'd had a chat about it um oh. before and uh he just he showed up to to ask if he could have it but neil was like no i don't think so his wife actually offered um derek a cup of tea but he said no and and he left and no one was hurt oh okay um didn't see that video yeah it that yeah there, there's a lot of sort of moments where you're like really okay yeah <laughs> Um, at this point, the, the police had already been called about the shooting of the solicitor. Um, by now, a second call had been made um, about shoot shots being fired in Whitehaven, which is a, a little bit further away, but, you know, it's it's 10 minutes drive away. Okay. Um, there was a taxi driver there who had been shot and killed at point blank range. Allegedly, this guy, um, the taxi driver who was shot, Darren Rucastle, mm-hmm. um, Derek was annoyed that he had been do you know what fair touting is taxi touting is yeah. yeah so um he thought that darren was illegally picking up fares and was was not uh, happy about this and you know for this reason i'm, I'm going to shoot you kaboom yeah okay. <laughs> so at this point cumbria police had deployed every armed officer they had in the the county mm. in response to the shooting so this is within about 20 minutes of the first call yeah Derek went on to shoot another three taxi drivers. Um, they're called Don Reed, Paul Wilson, and Terry Kennedy. All of them survived, though. Um, oh, that's also <laughs> slightly surprising, but good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were some really smart moves from people who were shot. Um, mm-hmm. We'll we'll get on to some of the specific ones later on, but yeah, it, you, you don't know how you'll react in that situation. Yeah. But some of them were really, really lucky and took advantage of that luck. Okay. So. Um, the the reason for shooting them was apparently um, the they other drivers had been winding Derek up and threatened that they were going to get it big style um, yeah before what? days before the killings so Derek had um, was was pissed off with these other three taxi drivers said they were winding him up yeah. and said um, they're going to get it big style a couple of days before the killings like so that that but again it's sort of like he thought about it. Yeah, it, he, I it mean, all he's seems... made a list of the people. Like, yeah, shoot you, shoot you, shoot you. Yeah, you're on my kill list. Like, yeah. What? But, um, but I mean, was this from basically statements from the uh, people who were attacked, or like, I kind of just imagine Derek sitting and just basically explaining? No, no, you need to understand. Like, they were winding me up, so I, I put them on the list. It was other people that said this, so oh, okay. maybe it's um. Yeah, maybe it's nonsense. I there there seemed to be a lot of um, of these things that were confirmed by multiple sources, though. Okay. Um, one of the taxi drivers, Paul Wilson, he was actually shot in the face, and he later said that he thought it was a prank until he held his hand up and realized he was bleeding. Oh. Another one, Terry Kennedy, 
had his right hand amputated because he held it up in self-defense and it probably did save his life but yeah that was the fallout from it he Mm. lost his right hand and the third one who was shot um don reed he's 55 he later said he dived like superman to escape (laughs) he was shot in the back and he crawled away derek saw him crawling away but ended up getting uh back in the car and driving off before anything further happened okay that that was how it was described by witnesses so it did Mm. seem like he knew he hadn't uh (laughs) finished the job Mm. so after hearing the shots fired a neighborhood police officer based in whitehaven saw a gray taxi with a shotgun pointing out of the front passenger window the the policeman sent out an alert and then he jumped into a vehicle um, and followed the taxi. He was just driving with the gun out the window. Yeah. Hmm. And when this was happening, there was live news coverage of it. So I remember having the news on in the morning, and, oh. and you're hearing bits and pieces about this. The whole thing wasn't really clear at that point, but you knew there was a guy in a taxi driving around with a some kind of a gun. Oh. And gun crimes are not common in the UK because yeah. not that many people have guns. Um, so it, it was sort of like is this really in Cumbria? Like, are you sure this isn't in the US? Like, it, it just, it felt really like, we have weird things happen, but they don't tend to involve guns. Yeah. So yeah, the the police officer was following him, and he said that um, the taxi appeared to slow down, passing another taxi in the opposite direction, and the cars were alongside each other. Um, but what he didn't realize was Derek was actually just shooting at the other taxi driver when they slowed down. So the officer then stopped and tried to administer first aid to the injured man and his female passenger who was also shot. And there were another two officers in a van that tried to take over the pursuit and follow the taxi. So they're really following him around the Cumbrian countryside. Um, Hmm. At this point, Derek's um, twin brother David was discovered. Um, in his bedroom, so it was sort of late morning at this point. Okay. And then they're really starting to to worry because if he has shot his twin brother 11 times, then yeah, yeah but it wasn't released to the press until way later on in the afternoon. So no one else knew that at, at this point. That makes sense, though. Yeah, so the officers chased, um, but the vehicle, it was a van, so it wasn't really um, suitable for a high-speed pursuit, and um, they lost him. Oh. Derek continued driving south and fired as he went. Um, by this point, there were RAF helicopters drafted in to help police with a massive land and air search. Hmm. Um, and as well, by this point, there were public warnings issued to everyone in Whitehaven um, and the surrounding area to stay inside. Like, there's nothing they could do at this point. They're trying to catch him, but yeah. it's... It's difficult to imagine these, you know, English country winding roads and some guy in a taxi with a, a gun yeah. just shooting people he comes across. And yep. part of it seems random, part of it seems planned. So, yeah, between 11 and 11.35 in the morning, um, Derek um, continues on his drive and he shoots the following people. Kenneth Fishburn, 71, who was um, retired, he was shot dead in Egremont. There was a woman, Susan Hughes, who's 57. She was just walking home from town with her shopping, and she was shot in the head and chest. Just uh, driving by, maybe. Just this, this is the random part of it, yeah. yeah. This is the phase where he does just seem to be totally irrational and shooting anyone he comes across. Huh. Um, well, it's not even anyone he comes across, actually. We'll, we'll get on to to the ones that he doesn't shoot but there doesn't seem to be any consistency there not that i could see so yeah kenneth fishburne 71 who um is shot in egremont uh susan hughes 57 who's shot in the head and chest walking home with her groceries um then in nearby village in wilton derek beeps his car horn um outside the home of a guy called jason carey who's a member Mm -hmm. of a driving club where um derek had fallen out (laughs) with the committee yeah Luckily, Jason isn't there, but his wife is. Um, by the time she gets to the door, though, Derek has decided, nah, screw it, and he's driven off already. So well, That's lucky. Yeah, it's almost like he's giving up on, on whatever kill list he might have had. But at the bottom of the Kerry's driveway, he finds a retired couple, Jennifer and Jason Jackson, who he shoots. So Jennifer, uh, who's 68, 
is shot once with his shotgun and twice with the twenty-two caliber rifle. Um, and James is shot once, but he's killed instantly. Hmm. It's weird that he, you know, he doesn't want to wait around to see if the uh, the driving club guy answers well, the, the door. The intentional target, yeah. basically. But... He'll drive down the driveway and just shoot a couple of... Uh... Compensate with the retirees, yeah. Yeah. Weird. It's super weird. I mean, it's not even the same um, age bracket of of the people he's going after, so it doesn't seem like oh. a, a substitute, you know? So the next bit is when I really remember hearing it on the news hmm. because, well, <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> okay, th- this is this is so not funny, but it's also a bit funny. The next person who is killed um, is Isaac Dixon, 65, um, and he was killed while talking with a farmer near Carlton Wood. His profession was a part-time mole catcher. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> somehow I, part-time makes that way weirder as well. I know. How are you a part-time <laughs> mole catcher? Either there's demand for it or, or there isn't. You're either a recreational mole catcher, full-time mole catcher, or... I mean, I would buy freelance. But yeah, freelance mole catcher like is fine. part-time is... Maybe hmm. he just works nights. Yeah, it might be a seasonal thing. Yeah. Hmm. But that's a seasonal worker. That's not a part-time mole catcher. Oh, so sorry, so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway. <laughs> um, I... I wish Isaac Dixon was still around and we could ask him about why he was a part-time mole catcher. Mm. Yeah, part-time mole catcher Isaac Dixon, 65, is killed while talking to a farmer near Carlton Wood. Next is a farmer and semi-professional rugby player called Gary Purdom, who's 31. Was that the farmer he was talking to? I, I was curious if the farmer, he, the mole catcher, was talking to just I, stood by and was spared? or It, it seems like he was spared because mm. it doesn't... It's like the whole thing is just super random um, oh. because the farmer and semi-professional rugby player is killed at a different location. Okay. So I, I don't know why the, the farmer that was with the mole catcher didn't get shot and killed. The whole thing is weird. Yeah. Maybe he liked moles. <laughs> he doesn't like people, but he likes moles. As long as they're not taxi drivers or retirees, I guess. Yeah. I, it, it's just none of this makes any sense. I mean, it's not often that you need to think, like, why didn't these people get killed? No, but it's totally illogical. I mean, we probably shouldn't be looking for logic in it because, yeah, Yeah. but I can't, I can't help it. Um, Yeah, the next one is the first one that really stood out to me is estate agent Jamie Clark, 23. He was driving through C-scale whenever he was shot. And it wasn't really clear whether he was killed by Derek's bullets or just by uh, a crash because minutes later he crashed. The estate agent worked for the same company I was um, renting my apartment from back then. So Mm. that's why it really stood out because it's not, I mean, the the company has uh, properties all over the UK, but it's not one of the big ones. And it it was sort of weird hearing that on the news (laughs) and a gun chase thing happening in england but yeah that that was weird yeah so um so estate agent jamie clark 23 is shot and killed and pub landlord harry Berger is um shot but loses two fingers and survives there's then a crash with the taxi underneath a railway bridge and harry's car so it's all pretty chaotic. Yep. Um, by this stage, it is about 11.30. And... Um, so weird, though, with the time as well, because it's been a long list of locations and victims. But, like, of course, he's just driving and shooting. Yeah, he drives... Um, let me see. He drives 45 miles or 72 kilometers, hmm. just driving around shooting people. And that's not including the drive in the morning between his place and his brother's place and the solicitor's place. Yeah. So yeah, by 11.30, he shoots his last two victims and they're within seconds of each other on the same street. Uh, the first one is Michael Pike, who's 64, and he's riding his bike. He just ushers him over to the car and, and shoots him. And there's a witness there with her kids who, who sees the whole thing. Yeah. And the last one is Jane Robinson, who's 66. She was just out delivering home shopping catalogs and she was shot at point blank range. There's a lot of people who, I mean, I feel like half of them are are 60 plus. So it's about 25 to to 12 at this point. 
and there are armed officers speeding around trying to catch up with them because of course there's a lot of people calling in um, these incidents as they're happening mm. but it's it's pretty difficult to communicate with each other because the um, airwaves keep jamming because there's so much information being passed along in the yeah. um, police radio so it's um, it's really difficult and they don't immediately get the sighting of Derek's car um, so it's about a minute later and they lose sight of him again oh. he heads over to Estelle Valley where he opens fire on six more random targets he injures three of them but everyone survives and then he pulls up near a tourist called Samantha Christie and mm. asks her if she's having a nice day before he shoots her in the face. Mm. She said, I must have fallen on my side because I can remember thinking, lie still, he'll think I'm dead and he won't come back and shoot me. And yeah, he he did assume she was dead and she survived. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it, I mean, as bad as this was, it could have been even worse. Um, oh, yeah. By this point, he drives on to a beauty spot near a town called Boot, and the spot is called Dr. Bridge. Um, okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, by this stage, he's almost run out of petrol. Um, he has no shotgun rounds left, but he has That's loads of other... No, he has a lot of other ammunition. He's just run out of shotgun, um, shotgun rounds. But he's also missing a tire from uh, the front of his car at hmm. this point. By this stage... There is a family of four, so Lee Turner is on holiday with his wife and their sons, who are three and four, and they see they see Derek and they're sort of like, oh, poor guy, you know, his his the the, the tires done, his car, and da da. So they go over and um, Lee offers to help him, and um, and Derek is sort of awkward about it and just says, no, go. Okay, better than yeah assertive in the situation so the you know the family of four wander off and they have no idea what they've just missed out on at this point like Whoa. yeah don't be nice to strangers <laughs> um yeah. so by twelve thirty, there's a final sighting of derek by an eyewitness mm. where they say derek's car has been dumped at boot that beauty spot place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and there's one gun inside but so they they realize that he's on foot with the rifle about 10 minutes later cumbria police officially name the gunman as Derek Bird um, and issue a photograph, describe who he is, let everyone know where he's from because at this point they just had said there's a, a guy driving around in a taxi with a gun and it wasn't even clear whether he was a taxi driver or not but it's sort of everyone's freaking out thinking I don't want to get a taxi. Like, yeah, you probably shouldn't. Like, for, I mean you shouldn't be out of the house at this point. No, but so like, if you're out then like, okay, two scenarios. You get a taxi, it's either the gunman or the gunman will shoot you because you're in a taxi apparently yeah oh, creepy so it's about an hour later whenever a nuclear plant nearby is um it's totally shut down it just it goes into lockdown um because everyone's freaking out they don't know the motive they don't know what's going on yeah. they just like let's lock this place down it has never ever been locked down before or since so <laughs> it it was a big deal yeah. and by two o'clock police announced that they had found Derek's body with a rifle and um yeah a, a shot to the head okay. um self-inflicted wound to the head and there was a report that later determined that Derek had fired at least 47 rounds during the shooting, 29 from his shotgun, 18 from his 22 caliber. There were six live rounds in the 22 that were found on Bird's body. And there were another eight that were found inside the rifle. Whenever they searched his home, they found there were more than 750 rounds of live ammunition for the 22 caliber one. How could he there, stop all that much, though? Yeah, there was another 240 shotgun shells. And... As an extra little note, 240 live shotgun shells and, and a whole bunch of uh, financial paperwork, which is the the whole reason why he went on this whole thing, because he was so paranoid that his brother and the solicitor were trying to send him to jail for financial irregularities, not paying his taxes and uh, whatever else, which I, I don't even know if he was guilty of that. But anyway, yeah, I, w- I was going to say that would be so much worse if they found the papers and like, no, no, this is completely fine. <laughs> that would be so much worse. They don't actually mention that I find anywhere that he had been doing anything dodgy on the taxes. So either it's like no one cares at this point or or there was nothing wrong with it. (laughs) But fine. I mean, 
Oh, yeah. So there were a total of 30 different crime scenes that were investigated um, mm-hmm. and it's the most deadly shooting incident in the UK since the 1996 Dunblane School Massacre which also left 18 people dead. Whoa. But yeah, it's it's a weird combination of uh, pre-planning and impulse but yeah. I don't want to say there were warning signs there but I think generally... Stealing, drink driving, being aggressive, threatening a girlfriend, threatening a Ooh. customer over a taxi fare. They're not great indicators for someone being a stand-up human being. It really isn't. Like, the latter half of this story is like the epitome of going postal. Yeah. But if it wasn't for all the history and his previous behavior. Yeah. But I don't know, like... Did he, once he actually got through the majority of his list, realize that, okay, I'm not getting away with this, I don't care if I'm getting away with this, I'm going to kill myself, and then just decided to take as many people with him as he could? Was it like an infamy thing, or was he just completely lost? No idea. No idea. And no one's been able to shed much more light on on the wise other than the the trigger point was um thinking his brother and the solicitor were after him but it doesn't really explain why he started killing all these um all these random people Mm. and i mean there were so many of them that he went after for these tiny little things like making fun of him and not being in the driving club anymore and like dude if if you're not playing nice with others they probably aren't going to play nice with you anyway but i mean what I take from the end of it is the shotgun was what he enjoyed using. Yeah. And if he still had rounds available on him for that, or mm. if he thought he could get home and get them, I think he would have kept going. Damn. And in some ways, he's he's really lucky the police didn't catch up to him sooner. Or There are so many people out there whose lives still could have um, been saved. But whenever things are happening that quickly, there's no right way to respond. It's... Um, I think it's it's difficult and it's very easy to to criticize police in that situation but if everyone's trying yeah. to weigh in with as much information as possible on the radio I mean it's it's kind of natural that you're going to have crossed wires and delays with certain things and it's difficult true. to triage information True true This just makes me think of the um and the second Minnesota uh, yeah. we had with uh, partly with the Singapore family but it also was raised uh, around that as well but when you have someone who can commit something like really, really gruesome act, yeah, and then like, can they just stop? And we had that discussion. Like, yeah, would they do something for the most minor infraction? Yeah, like, like in this case. But here we had this, and like he definitely started with the, um, uh, let's say the biggest. Um, yeah, the, the biggest, biggest betrayals, if if you like, in his mind. Yeah, well, not not only that, betrayals. but also I would assume that. Out of all the people he killed, I can't understand this mind, but I would assume that he the prioritized twin them. Brother would be the trickiest, and once you've done that, it would be more of a downhill slope. Yeah, I mean, I how do you look into the eyes of your brother, who's like mm. you know half dressed in his pajamas in bed, sleepy, yeah. and and shoot him eleven times? It's not even like he shot him once. Yeah, eleven times in the head and body. Like, I I mean, it's it's bad enough shooting someone you know and then it gets worse as it's someone you're close to someone you grew up with but your twin you're looking into your own face almost and Mm. and shooting that person who has been there your entire life Mm. like how on earth do you do that but yeah i get what you're saying i think um if you can do that then you either immediately give up and you know and turn Mm. yourself in or you go well it's all downhill from here yeah wow Oh, uh, no, I can't really understand this, but it's... No. Oh. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. All the nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's not even a, a satisfying conclusion of... Well, not that conviction ever fixes it, but yeah. you can't even ask him why he shot the random people. True. That's my story. That's my story on impulse kills. I'm also kind of surprised that more people didn't like notice the fact that he was lugging around a lot of weapons and stuff like the um yeah uh, the tourist you mentioned like, mm-hmm. him walking up saying 
Well, he drove up. Nice... Drove up. Oh, so it was. Oh, okay, that makes so he, a little bit more sense. He yeah. was driving around, um, mm. going kind of from person to person. Um, like there were also reports that some people he got over to the car by, and just to to add a bit of context, it's not super weird um, mm. for a taxi to roll down their window at you. So it might be, do you know where this address is, especially if it's the countryside or apparently he was asking random people if they had the time and stuff like that. Oh. So if if you roll down the window and then you're leaning across the passenger side anyway, yeah. because you have to like lean over to speak to them. Taxis, if it's like black taxi style, mm-hmm. they're quite high off the ground anyway. The windows are quite high. You can't see in and see what's sitting on the seat. Mm-hmm. So it's for sure very, very strange. But if he had have been doing that with people then they wouldn't have seen in and seen the weapons that's true that's true i'm amazed that he he drove around for so long without anyone catching him yeah and especially when they call in like helicopters that early as well yeah i guess taxis are are vehicles that you see all the time as well so it does make it a bit more difficult yeah i can't believe he didn't shoot the family like there any of the ones that he spared i just i don't get why maybe it was because there were kids with them Mm. or maybe he was really just fond of that shotgun there were a lot of questions about whether or not he should have been able to get these guns afterwards and in the end the the commission that makes the decisions on that were cleared of any wrongdoing and it was said that they there was no way they could have predicted that this was going to happen and regardless of no i mean i think yeah you can't predict it but (laughs) if you have in the 10, 15 years before the incident, you have a couple of issues reported to the police that... Violence and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, dude, I... you're coming across as aggressive and angry mm. and unreasonable. Mm. I don't want you having a gun. I, I was a bit too focused on the uh, craft supply theft. Because, <laughs> like, I can see them looking at that and like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, stealing something is not the same as a violent crime unless it's armed robbery or whatever but i mean nicking some stuff from your ex-employer that is not cool but it's also should you be not should you not be allowed a gun because of it well Mm. i don't uh, i'm coming back to the main thing like uh, get a reason for having a gun yeah, whenever yeah. whenever I was trying to find more information on it, there were, were references to you need to have a reason for the gun. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find any reason for him to have a gun. And yeah. I did extensive Googling and find nothing on that. Um, but then again, it is in the countryside. There's, you know, a lot of farmers. And if anyone has an excuse to have a gun, it's going to be a farmer or someone mm. in that kind of an area. So fine, I guess we can't really debate it too much. And all you have to do is lie and say, well, I'm having problems with foxes or having problems with badgers or... Actually, I don't even know if it's legal to kill... I think it is legal to kill foxes and badgers. I'm pretty sure it's legal to kill badgers because the whole tuberculosis issue. I'm not sure how it is in the UK. Um, I, I think it's fine. They they did a big badger cull however many years ago as well because cattle were being infected with TB. Oh. Um, so I think generally it's uh, seen to be acceptable to shoot a badger in the face. Oh dear. Anyway, on that note, I want to hear about your story. Want to hear my story? Well then, let's have a stretch, and uh, I will soon share you the tale of... um... Share me. You will share me the tale. Fair enough. Sorry. We'll be right back. Tell me um, your story. Yeah. So this is the tale of uh, Yvonne Chevalier. Where is this from? This is French. Uh, it takes place in France. Hey. So Yvonne was a, um, she was working as a midwife in a hospital in uh, Orléans. Okay. And this was kind of a ways back. So this was, um, I think, 1935, 36-ish. Yeah. So. Uh, she was working as a midwife, and she met and fell in love with a medical student, which was her soon-to-be husband, Pierre Chevalier. So they fell passionately in love, and um, in spite of both like society and families kind of disapproving of the couple, she was she was very much like farmer stock, and he was a bit more uh, not nobility, but you know, towards the higher end of the classes, and um, yeah, they 
people didn't approve in general, but hey, they were madly in love. They married four years uh, later, and huh. they had a son in uh, 1940, a boy named uh, Mathieu. Okay. So this all started off very lovey-dovey. This is weird. Like, okay, Valentine's was last week, but you'll see why this doesn't really fit. Okay. So... Um, in 1940, uh, Mathieu was born, and uh, as you know, that was the middle of the invasion of France in uh, World War II. Yeah. Uh, during this time, Pierre joined the um, French Resistance, where he became uh, kind of a decorated hero uh, at the end. Wow. Um, but after the war, he was elected mayor of uh, Orléans, mm-hmm. and uh, they lived together. The couple had a second son not too long after that. Yeah. After he got elected, uh, Pierre got more involved in politics, and he started spending most of his time in Paris. Okay. As uh, and just left uh, Yvonne behind to tend to the kids and stuff, which mm-hmm. I mean is not uncommon, but also not the nicest setup, probably. Yeah, I guess it's quite quite standard, especially in the time. Yeah, but then then it started going downhill. Like uh, as the years passed, Pierre grew ever more disdainful of Yvonne and. Uh, to the point it started crossing over to like abuse and he was like saying how she disgusted him and Whoa. stuff like that like he was really really down on her dude that's not cool not at all but she Yvonne still really loved him and she tried to win back uh, win back the love of her husband yeah um, partially by like going in and studying arts and politics like she wasn't that well educated and um, she tried to compensate on that mm-hmm. Uh, and she spent a lot of uh, time and money and like beauty salons and uh, buying clothes and dresses oh, and honey. stuff like that. Yeah, it didn't work. No, well, the problem isn't you, love. The problem no, is him. That's the thing. But Ugh. when you're in love, yeah, when you're in love, you're an idiot. Yeah, you really are. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from experience. Yeah, me too. But uh, yeah, so at one point, I think it was 1951, uh, Yvonne found out about Pierre's mistress. So she had, it was a bit unclear on the sources, this was a while ago, Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of the sources regarding this focus very much on Pierre and not as much on Yvonne. But some mentioned that she had gotten a tip, but uh, in the end she did, on her own, find a love letter in one of uh, Pierre's jackets. Oh, no. Um, uh, and it was signed with, like, a nickname, but she did figure out that it was her neighbor, uh, Jean Parot. Uh, That's who horrible. lived nearby and was also married. Whoa. Uh, so, yeah. But, um, yeah, once she found this and got confirmation, basically, uh, Yvonne traveled to Paris to confront Pierre. Yeah. But... Well, good for her. I hate whatever people... Um complain about yeah. oh you homewrecker i can't believe you would have an affair with my husband my wife mm. whatever it's like maybe you should be speaking to your spouse about this like this person has no moral loyalty there mm. the issue is with your partner not them but i mean yeah. i'm kind of glad that she's also married they're as bad as each other then i mean yeah that's the thing then she does have her own moral issues but yeah, uh, yeah. but no no I, I approve of actually going for the spouse but yeah. um Good for you. Go go confront your asshole husband. It didn't go that well, though. Oh, am I going to regret saying this? No, no, no. Not at all. Uh, but I'm just... Uh, ups and downs. Swings and roundabouts. Um, swings and roundabouts. Okay. Well, no, no. I, I, I'm just... I realise now there's someone who ends up dead in this story. And swings and roundabouts <laughs> in terms of death is like a bit... I was grim. mostly talking about the narrative, but yes. Um, so she, uh, she went to Paris. But... She couldn't even get to see her husband. Okay. Because, like, all of the staff and everything uh, were just, they were under orders to turn her away and not let her see him. What? So, no, she couldn't get an audience with her husband, basically. That's insane. Which is insane. So it's like, um, biblical level. Mm. I'm just thinking of Esther when she goes to have a, she has to, like, yeah. Yeah. And whoever's wife was before Esther. Mm. <sighs> anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I mean, that, that didn't quite pan out. So she was forced to go home with no confrontation. Uh, she did afterwards uh, confront the mistress as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was just, that turned into a shouting match and nothing really happened. Mm. Uh, so she had to go home. But once her husband actually returned home, which he had to do sooner or later, yeah. 
she tried to confront him. Mm-hmm. He just refused to talk about it. What? He said the affair was a private matter and it didn't concern her. And he just kept treating her with contempt. Um, that is such an amazing response. This is a private matter. How dare you discuss it with me? Kind of. Kind what? Of. Like, uh, what? Uh, just, uh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and like, at this point, he was digging into the politics and he thought that a divorce would probably hurt his political career. Uh, so he, like, he stayed on paper with her, but mm-hmm. he didn't... He didn't feel any obligation to actually treat her as his wife. Why did they not just get divorced? Because it just wasn't okay back then? I mean, it was possible, but it was probably not nice from a PR point of view when he was running for different political positions yeah, and stuff like that. You're better off just banging all around you and staying married to someone who you're really nasty to. That was apparently his, his thought process. Nice yeah. job, dude. Good mm. strategy. Yeah. So That's after... Right. All these attempts uh, to actually confront him or work this out failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yvonne went to the police and got a handgun license, mm-hmm. claiming that she needed protection for her family because her husband was a you know well-known political figure. Uh, so she got it, and she bought a semi-automatic handgun. No. Oh. Oh, this would have been a nice Valentine's one. <laughs> yeah, kind of, but uh, it fits even better here. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so uh, she had the handgun. She didn't do anything immediately. She got the handgun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once Pierre was appointed as the government minister for education, uh, Yvonne tried one last time to basically go in, try to save the marriage. And she pleaded to him to come back, uh, basically come back fully into the relationship as her husband and yeah. work on things. And the response was not that happy. Pierre completely shut her down and uh, basically explained that he wanted nothing to do with her and that he wanted to marry another woman. Well, basically almost planning on it. That's horrible. So Yvonne... Well, it's honest. I mean, okay. It is honest. That is something. But it's... You, you that's know, not you, nice. It's not tactful. <laughs> it's not <laughs> yes. tactful. Yeah. I mean, you can... Do you have to be tactful? I'd rather be... Um, you can deliver honest information in better ways, let's say, than, you know, basically verbally abusing your wife or anything. Was it that bad? Whatever. It was quite bad. Oh. She did, uh, or according to some uh, notes, I didn't fully follow up on that, but she did turn to a lot of uh, drinking for a while there as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, not at this point. Mm. Uh, but no, he, he told her this, and Yvonne ran off. She got that gun. Yeah. Ran back to Pierre. Uh, it's just, okay, the house was kind of big. And she held the gun on herself oh. and threatened to kill herself if he would leave her for another woman. Oh, love, no, this isn't a way to do it. No. So, uh, confronted with this, uh, Pierre responded with, Go ahead. Just wait until I've left the room. <gasps> you ah, uh, mm. no, he didn't. <laughs> he did. And uh, hearing this, no, Yvonne kind of had enough. She just immediately turned the gun on him, shot him four times. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, not not cool. Don't do that. No, I mean, murder is never good. But but I mean, going come through on. All of this, and then. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, like that's that's horrible, but it's also kind of difficult to have sympathy for him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It helps that this happened a long time ago. If it happened last that's week, true. I would be more sympathetic, but yeah. um I'm not sure how much more sympathetic I would have been if it was like modern times as well. Um Yeah, I mean, you can't really justify killing someone ever, but it's I mean, you're reading and going, yeah, I, I can follow that. She did yeah. try. Like, yeah. she put her glad rags on. She slapped some makeup on. She did her hair. She, mm. you know, she went for Study it. She tried to make him happy. Shit, yeah. And and she didn't even wave a gun in his face initially yeah. and say, you need to love me. Yeah. He was being a dick about it. And then she did the gun bit. And then just saying, yeah, fuck it. Kill yourself. That will make my life easier. Just wait until I leave the room. I don't mm. want to ruin my nice suit. And also, I don't want to see. Yeah. Uh, but no, oh. she shot him four times, uh, and so the rest of the household had kind of heard that there was an argument. Once the gunshots yeah. went off, uh, the eldest son Mathieu, uh, he came into the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yvonne then calmly took him by the hand, led him downstairs to the uh, maid, 
and just like just wait here. Uh, then she went back upstairs and shot Pierre a fifth time in the back. No. And then she called the police. Wow. Saying, my husband needs your assistance, basically. That's what she said? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so, yeah, I mean, they came uh, and, uh, well, took her in, of course. Uh, so she went on trial on the 5th of November, 1952. Uh-huh. And... Kind of fortunately for Yvonne, France had up until 1975 quite kind of very lenient laws for crimes of passion. Oh, really? On topic, yes. Uh, this is all apparently related to the French Penal Code of 1810. Uh, so, it, yeah, it was up until 1975. Some um, of those laws are just, I can't understand how they still existed in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. It, but it is weird. I'm curious about where this is going. Yeah, but like this one where it was, it wasn't 100%, but basically broad strokes. Like if you find your wife with a lover, kind of caught them in the act. If you snap and kill both of them, eh, we see where you're coming from. That's probably fine. Yeah. Was the law. Um, <laughs> as long as it wasn't like premeditated or too long. It's like if that was a crime of passion thing that was kind of the origin of well not the origin fucking the romans had that as well yeah um but um in relatively modern law at least so the judge and well i mean she wasn't in court and court kind of felt like uh, even though the law was very specifically phrased for men finding their wives with lovers yeah they kind of felt like no this is kind of applicable um <laughs> so the judge did say as a quote uh, this passion overwhelmed your whole life without any attempt on your part to control it uh, i understand your cavalier action but i do not condone it that's, that's about how i feel about it kind of uh, but then the jury uh, went in and deliberated for 45 minutes mm -hmm. and then declared her not guilty no mm. A jury uh, comprised 100% of men, by the way, as well. Really? Mm. Okay, that was my next question. Mm. I'm surprised. Yeah. So, no, the, um, I don't know their motivation, which might not be worth digging into other kind of well, prejudice. but potentially single woman now available. <laughs> <laughs> 12 men in the jury, not guilty. Is... Who's going to get a date? But... <laughs> no, no. No? <laughs> oh, we already know she was all dolled up. She's probably gorgeous. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I did not consider that angle, but hey. If we send her to jail, there is no chance of banging her. <laughs> um, no, I. Okay. But I, it is surprising they they let her off on yeah, it. Yeah, so just completely huh. not guilty, completely free. Uh, she did probably not feel too good about ending a human life. Uh, she did. She uh, didn't get married again and shoot the next one. Then she didn't get married again. No, she moved to French New Guinea. Uh, with her sons and she wow. worked as a volunteer nurse in a hospital and lived in kind of obscurity until she died wow. sometime in the 70s i think huh mm. well i mean good for her doing something um worthwhile with mm -hmm. the rest of her life because after that it can go either way can't it kind of yeah huh and i know reading this and also reading facts and then also inferring from like the treatment and so many years of living with this horrible guy yeah um, who is still i mean of course he was in the uh, resistance and done, did a lot of good things but i mean he's still quite well respected in a lot of French sources and he has a street named after him and all that wow um but um yeah like i said murder is never good but you do get a little like but once you hear the response to him saying just go kill yourself like uh, second thoughts, no. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's like when you have a really sassy comeback to something and you just say it yeah. and it's just as satisfying as you think it would be. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there like, I don't want to be too smug about this, but that was, yeah. that was good. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me way too rarely. Yeah, me too. I do feel bad about it when it happens. Probably not as bad as if I shot a person, but still. <laughs> you shouldn't be. Um, Words cut deep, though. They do, but the cuts can be very justified. And... 
yeah but sure there are situations where someone says something horrible and you do a nice and on-point comeback mm -hmm. but uh, like that opposed to doing some kind of i know the um trash talk equivalent of like whataboutism Ugh, with like yeah oh yeah but you're a horrible person because tragic shit you did in your childhood just digging yeah, up yeah, yeah. no no no, no cheap shots just, yeah, like yeah. no cheap shots mm. let's stick with well yeah context yeah for sure like you're a bad person because you're awful not because of the circumstances you're just choosing to be a dick pretty much yeah mm. <laughs> that was Very a good pick good. Thank you. I, I thought it was nice. Partially, I thought the story was interesting, but also that I got to read up on the crime of passion laws in uh, different countries and stuff like that as well. That's nice. And, um, well, the the whole thing when I said, like, oh, like France was the old school one, but that's just because, well, a lot of um, stuff referencing crime of passion are just referencing the French version of it. Yeah. But, um, no, the, that's gone back far back, I think, skimming through the different ones some of the worst ones i saw was in uh, uh, the roman times where there were a lot of ways for people to kill women justifiably unfortunately hmm. uh, like if a woman was um if a woman was cheating on her spouse or partner yeah not only could that spouse kill her what and the uh the boy toy if, if so it's if a man is cuckolded he can kill the wife as well as the man she's having an affair with yep uh but but also the father of this woman mm -hmm. could kill her and oh. the person with an affair if they found out i guess like an honor killing type thing kind of yeah oh, dear. it should not be called honor killing it really shouldn't um we actually have quite a few listeners and friends we started out with just one, but oh. now we have a couple. We have a good couple, actually. Please um, correct me on my horrible pronunciation and uh, the facts. If you have more, uh, like I said, I'm I'm not that good at French anymore. I've studied it, but I'm not good anymore. So if uh, <laughs> I just missed really big and flagrant sources or facts, hey, let us know. Or and let us know of your perspective of the story, if you know of it. Yeah, and if there's any other weird... Um, interesting stories about marriages and murders in France, mm. then I'm really curious. Mm -hmm. mm. Let us know. Indeed. And I think it's time for a drink. I think we need a drink. We always need a drink. We have wine, but we need a proper drink. Yeah, it's your turn this week. Oh, I shouldn't have said proper. Now we have expectations. Yeah, I'm going to try to make the drink and we'll <laughs> see if I manage to turn you around or scare you off completely on the concept of whiskey drinks. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best and we'll be right back. Okay. Ugh, right, here we are. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It, it might be delicious. It, it just... might be, but I... Okay, you made a very valid comment earlier that I need to learn the lesson of research. Uh, as I mentioned, I... That sounds so bitchy. I'm sorry. Oh, All I mean is... No, um, no, I didn't mean to be bitchy, sorry. No, no, no. I just, like, it makes it sound like I'm being super bitchy. No, I'm not just, at all. I don't like whiskey. I'm not a massive ginger fan. And honey isn't one of my favorite things either. Yeah. So, uh, unless you can identify that, what we're trying is uh, what's called the penicillin. Which, like, I on paper, I saw it, like, I like whiskey, I do enjoy, I love ginger, like the lemon and honey stuff, this sounds all great. But then, as I was making it, I realized that I've never made it before. I got doubts as I was recording, let's say that. Um, yep, doubts. And I'm worrying that I might screw up your introduction to whiskey. It's okay, I, I've been introduced and disliked it before. Um, you know what it smells like, though? TCP. What? It's um like an antiseptic liquid thing. Oh, that's comforting. Um, that's really what it reminds me of. I'm sorry. It it smells. Oh, okay. I'm not gonna sniff it again. Um, I, I actually quite like TCP, so it's concerning that I'm not liking the smell of the sore, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like what you rub into sore muscles whenever you've um injured yourself. Oh, okay, okay. 
Yeah. Huh. This smells like a bad version of that. Ouch. I, it, it, I mean, it's not your fault. Well, well, as we said, the whole research and preparation thing is my fault. The last last week's one, you didn't like the smell of either. So maybe it's a really good sign, yeah. Yeah, but don't get your hopes up. Okay. um, (laughs) So let's see how this goes. Um, Oh, oh no. I don't, no, no, I just, I don't want to do it. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm psyching myself up. I just, okay. No, I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm going to try whiskey and I'm going to try to enjoy it. And I have orange juice to add to it if it's really not to my taste. Fair enough. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) I haven't done it yet. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. Actually, you know what? That's not bad. Yeah. That's... Oh, there's a kick. Um, there is a ginger kick. It's the ginger kick mm. in it. Like we've had ginger stuff before, but I didn't quite realize you were not a fan. But, no, um, like I, I like ginger beer hmm. in specific contexts, and I like a bit of ginger in specific foods. But as a standalone yeah. flavor, no, oh, not okay. really. Well, this definitely has a very pronounced ginger kick. Um, but yeah, there's there's an earthiness to it. Hmm. Is it ginger skin? That would be the ginger. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just had a uh, washed and cut up slices of ginger, muddled a bit, and then pushed in. It's not bad. <laughs> well, that's something. I, I don't want to like it. <laughs> like, I don't want to drink it, and I'm sipping it. It, it really isn't bad. If, if you like ginger, and if you like whiskey, then this, this is actually really good. So for uh, details of what's in this thing, we will post the recipe, but it's basically um, one single malt whiskey, a bit of blend whiskey, then we have uh, honey syrup, we have lemon and ginger, a lot of ginger, apparently. Yeah, a lot. Muddled into um, fresh ginger. But. but you decided to go with limoncello instead, so it's even boozier. True, true. Uh, and I did up the... Oh! Oh! No, I'm sorry, I didn't get you a drink, Kelfie. Hold on. Do you want to see us, honey? Kelfie, do you want to come sing to us? There we go. Oh, hello. (laughs) Oh, you're scrambling for the food. Hello. Do you love penicillin? He does. Kelfie, this is the first time you've been friendly. (laughs) This is a milestone. You're making lovely little noises. Okay, this is all worth it. Kelfie likes whiskey. Or maybe she sensed your distress and tried to comfort you. <laughs> That's all it takes. Bad whiskey got. It's not bad. It's it's really not bad. It's um I'm never drinking this again. I think I mean I'm getting woodiness from I think the ginger skin. Mm-hmm. I do kind of prefer that, so that might just be on me. Yeah. You're a ginger fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely specific moments where I like ginger, but I wouldn't I don't think I would go out of my way for it. No, but I mean, it's just, you <laughs> know, you like I it. I just don't. Mm. I, I no, I'm, I am actually on board with this, but like I said, I'm mad about ginger, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not feeling it at all. Um, no, I have nothing nice to say. <laughs> I was going to try it. I, I just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I will not be drinking it again. I'm still going to avoid whiskey like the plague. Fair enough. Um, but I'll um I'll maybe make some Irish coffee or something uh, for St. Patrick's Day. Because mm. I mean, I don't usually go for Irish coffee. I go for what we call Italian coffee, which is the same but with amaretto instead of whiskey. That is good, though. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll have some whiskey for St. Patrick's Day. It's only a couple of weeks away. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, this was a... Uh, I like this episode. I like these tales. Yeah. They were weird and, to be fair, I really like mine. But um, I did enjoy yours, even though it was kind of dire and confusing. But Confusing, yeah. But, um, don't forget to rate and review us if you've enjoyed what you've listened to. And, of course, subscribe and keep listening to us. That's what we want you to do. We want you to listen. We want you to tell us afterwards what you think and uh, any feedback or suggestions. Yeah, give us a shout on Twitter at Crime by the Bar, or you can also email us at crimebythebar at gmail.com. Hmm. And 
if nothing else, then as a warning, we will put up the drink recipe on uh, crimebythebar.com. I'm sure it's wonderful if you like whiskey and ginger and honey <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Mm. It's go, go on, try it for yourself. See if I'm being melodramatic. <laughs> Let us know how you feel about it. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks again. That's uh, that's it. We've covered the basis. Now I'm going to enjoy this drink. You have your wine. Mm -hmm. We'll see if we can uh, poison a mate or two. And um, yeah, we will see you later this week for the next Minnesota. Yeah, tune in on Friday for the latest Minnesota. Bye. Bye. Ah, that's... That's it for this week. Yeah. Uh, sorry again, but um, no, I'll I'll do my research and I'll actually test Stop. stuff. Stop first. apologizing. Okay. We are we are strong, independent podcasters. Mm. We don't need to justify our decisions to anyone. Don't you don't need to say that it didn't go to plan. <laughs> you can just go. Well, clearly this whiskey.